Welcome to Hunt Harvest Health Podcast with your host, Ryan Lampers, a.k.a. The Stealthy Hunter. Howdy. And myself, Dr. Hillary Lampers, where we share our love for ancestral living and the health topics of the modern age. You can follow us at HuntHarvestHealth.com, Instagram, and Facebook for more podcasts, recipes, and stories. All right, let's do this. talk about let's talk about shot placement real quick um it's always a question i know it's uh it's probably controversial i'm sure there's guys that don't agree with me on this all i can speak to is what i've seen and what has worked for me and what i've changed over the years uh as i've taken more and more bears um you know what's what's interesting is I think a lot of people, and I think I did, I know I did, I treated the anatomy of a bear similar to that of a, of a, of a mule deer. You know, I, I looked for that crease. I was trying to hug that shoulder as tight as possible. And I think a lot of people still do. But in saying that, I know a lot of people that lose bears every year. Um, I know guys that have it's it's probably embarrassing and and they're bummed out about how many bears they've lost and there's always a common thread with those bears tend tends to be a common thread and that is uh, a shoulder hit shot placed a little bit too far forward bears have very dense bones um, they can take a bullet bears are about as tough as they get if you shoot them in the shoulder. Bears, I would say, are also probably the softest target you can shoot if you shoot them in the middle. Um, you hit those lungs. Those lungs deflate like no animal I've ever seen. Uh, I feel like mule deer and elk are much, much tougher than bears if you hit them in that lung area. Um, whereas, punching through you know, a mule deer shoulder is very doable. Um, for some reason, that those vitals sit a little bit further back on a bear. And even if you punch through that shoulder on a bear, which definitely can happen, you know, um, shooting a heavier, uh, shooting a heavier bullet, um, you know, a lot of guys will run 200s, 220s on these on these bear trips shooting 30 cals and yeah absolutely but even with those calibers bears are getting away with a shoulder hit at times not always lot sometimes they crumble but many times they don't and they will go forever and um if you've ever tracked a bear and you have blood feel lucky um Usually that blood doesn't last too long, it soaks up, and um, you will rethink after so many times of that happening where your shot placement should be. I recommend now, as I've seen it over and over and over, middle of the middle, and if you want to go not quite in the middle, just a scotch forward towards that shoulder. Um, bare lungs go back much further than I think most people assume they do. 
literally they will go back to that second to last rib and um, what you would consider maybe a, a gut shot on any other animal is a perfect shot in my opinion on a bear um, they don't go far they tend to drop very quick within sight they're very soft in the middle um, it's a uniqueness to bears over other big game animals I would say and again that's my opinion that's just from the years of hunting and recognizing what shots put them down um, opening them up looking at the anatomy like literally opening them up pulling that hide back seeing where those lungs are do not go by a Google picture of a bear anatomy it's incorrect um, from what I've seen I'll look at pictures I can type it in right now and they put that heart way up there and those lungs way up there yeah but it goes back further uh, from what I've witnessed personally again I don't know if anybody else is saying this but personally I've just seen where those lungs lay is much further back and that is why they tend to drop quickly when you go middle of the middle um, and again probably guys that um, that wouldn't agree with that but that's fine uh, time frame time frame when we're hunting bears like I already mentioned early season early April is uh, is always been fantastic for finding old-age class boars now I would say even up through mid-May I love that that month there those four weeks as you get into the end of May it can be great as well in certain places it you know the higher elevations for example it can it can just start heating up that end of May and then as you get to the end of May and, and the first week of June now you're kind of looking at a little bit different hunt you're you're glassing up rutting boars and that can be very a very good hunt you're gonna see you'll probably see quite a few bears moving running ridges trying to pick up scent from those sows it can be it can be fun but it's also can be very difficult to get on those boars unless you have a sow <laughs> unless they find a sow um, but if you've ever been out there in the mountains glassing bears in June you'll see them and then you won't you'll see them for a sec second and then they're gone or you'll see them cruising a ridge that just doesn't allow you to get there in time uh, so you're trying to head them off and and anticipate where they're going or you know and yet you know maybe you found a basin that has you know a hot sow and you'll have multiple boars in there and that's the dream and that's that's going to be you know the best of all things and you'll have great success doing that but I think trying to um, you know flesh out what I like to do I like to have my bear dead and in the freezer by that time frame uh, June can just be very difficult now again like everything else there are some guys that wait till the rut to go hunt bears uh, I prefer not to I don't you know I like seeing bears in almost every drainage that we're eyeballing whereas in in that June time frame you know oftentimes when those sows are, are, are hot you may have to go through three or four big drainages 
and uh, and then you'll find your little your little rut fest in a basin. Um, they just tend to group up a little bit more, or they're just really hard to catch up to. So um, this is just a personal preference for me that I've found to be the most successful at filling these tags on mature bears. So that's uh, that's the time frame I like to chase them. Um, uh, field judging. That is a question that is always the hot one, I guess. Um, and I, I wish I could say there is like a hundred percent correct way to field judge sex of bear. Um, I'll say it, it's difficult to do. Um, I think anyone who says it's easy, anyone who says they can take a look at a bear and in no time tell you whether that's a sour or a boar, I think they're lying to you. I don't think, I don't know. I've, I've looked at a lot of bears and, and it's always a struggle. Um, so having time, hopefully to really watch them, watch their mannerisms, watch them walk, uh, hopefully get close enough to age them. Now, obviously if you're baiting bears, like in a state like Idaho, much easier. You're, you're face to face. You can kind of judge them height wise up against a barrel at times. Um, you know, sows never tend to go up beyond that. They're, they're much shorter in height overall than the boars are, no doubt about it. But that can be difficult to judge uh, when you're looking at them through a spotting scope from a mile away or even 500 yards away, even 300 yards away. It can be really difficult. So I like looking at their movements. Um, you've probably heard us talk about swagger. Swagger is something that will tell you whether it's a boar. It will also tell you whether it's an old, heavy, mature boar. Um, you know, those, those males tend to have much more of a broad front end to them. The shoulders, the rounded shoulders down at their elbows, more of like a bulldog type walk to them, almost ape-like. And, um, and that's, that is my favorite way to judge whether it's a bear that we're going to go for is their mannerisms, how they walk. If they're deliberate in their movements, it's almost a slowness to them when they're moving from, um, you know, flower to flower or grass to grass, uh, up and over logs. They're not, they don't have that pitter patter quick footstep. Um, it's just a methodical, you can just tell there's a weight difference from them compared to, you know, a younger, you know, one and a half, three and a half, four and a half year old bear, a medium, they tend to take quick steps, um, and they'll get up on logs and they'll run across the log and hop down and big bears will hop up on logs still, but there's a slowness to them and, and a weight to them and a mannerism that is just they just tend to have this swagger we call it swagger it's the best word i know of to describe it um now when it comes to the sows sows tend to have uh, more of a pear shape to them they got that wide back end which is is pretty easy to tell on some of them it just jumps out like you immediately almost know like oh that's a that's a sow uh and then 
there are times where it's really difficult to tell. Um, it's not the case when it comes to maybe a 200 plus pound sow, 250, those, those older, even dried up sows, those can be difficult to, to get a read on at times. Um, a little more slender in the front end and wider in the back. That's, that's one common thing to look at, but again, it's not always easy. If you don't have all angles of them walking, it can be tough to judge. Um, so seeing them from the side, for example, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, but I always recommend trying to watch them for as long as possible. Now, obviously with males, there's things you can look at, you know, if they hit a scratching post or whatever, and they'll, they'll show you what they got and you'll immediately know that they're a male. Um, you know, as far as head, heads on bears, you know, growing up, it was always, you know, look for the blockheads, shorter, shorter front to back, you know, the snout, all that would, would tend to be more of a, a blockhead boar. And that's, that can be true, but I have skulls that have these elongated, more of a narrow, but long head to them, more like a polar bear, um, that kind of throw a wrinkle in that. Bear heads are very different. You can find bears that have a really wide block head, you know, almost perfect um, triangle from their nose to one side of their head where their ear is placed to the other side of their head where their other ear is. Um, perfect dimensions all around. That's a great way to tell if, an old, if it's an old boar. But I've also got and taken bears that just have these long faces. Uh, their, their ears aren't flopped over onto the side and um, the ears are a little bit bigger. And still, you know, I've got a bear that's was it, like 19 and three quarter inch skull on them for a, you know, mountain black bear. That's, that's good bear. Um, and it was just a, it literally looked like a polar bear, long neck, long body, um, wasn't wide headed at all. Um, you know, still had that crease in the forehead, which is a good sign, but very different shape to it than other old bears that I've taken. Um, but looking for the crease is one thing that helps if you are in tight enough to be able to have that option. Um, but oftentimes, you know, we're looking from a mile away before we make the call on to whether we're, we're going to go for it. So we're looking more in its movements, much more so than, than that. Ears can be a dead giveaway. You know, obviously if they're way low on the side of its head and very rounded off and small looking comparable to the head um, kind of like every grizzly bear you see that that's great chance that's going to be a giant you know a bear that you're going to want to go for but also i wouldn't discount bears that aren't pinned those ears aren't pinned to the side of their head and they look a little larger than some of the older ones because some of those bears can be huge as well um, uh, so that's that's kind of you know what I look at, like I said, um, there's subtle differences. It's never easy. I think guys will often talk about, you know, the belly dragon on the ground. 
Yeah, um, but also some of the biggest, longest six and a half, seven foot type black bears that you're going to find, you're going to see a lot of distance between the ground and that bear's belly. They're more slender, uh, long-legged, long-necked, polar bear-esque. Um, you wouldn't want to pass because that bear's belly isn't down by the ground. What I've noticed is a lot of those bears' bellies that are down by the ground are cubs, um, very young bears, and there's a lot of fluff there. So um, people make mistakes every year on very young bears uh, that they thought just looked different to them when they uh, first scoped them up. So my recommendation is try to watch them for as long as you can. Um, obviously, if you can see the sheath, you're, you're good. It's a boar. Um, watching for cubs is always another reason why you want to make sure that you have time and don't just quickly see a bear, see a black dot, pull up and shoot. Uh, sometimes those cubs will be a little bit away, you know, far away. They'll be in the brush. They might be up a tree. Um, and that, that sow may have ran them up there because there is a boar in the area. We have seen that. Um, and those cubs, they might be in the middle of the tree. They might be at the very tip top of the tree. It's fun to watch that, those type of scenarios happen. But, um, let's see. Um, so best days for glass and up bears. Again, going back to. You know, you can find bears on rainy days. You can find bears on mornings. You can find bears sunny days, um, cloudy days. But if I was to go back in time and put a check by <laughs> as to every bear that I've seen, um, most of those checks would come when the sun pops out after maybe uh, a big rain squall or multiple days of weather really bad weather and then the sun comes out and it just you know lights up the whole place man those days sometimes it's like every bear on the mountain is out and visible and open to see um, they do love those little weather systems and it can be throughout the day as well you know spring weather you can have a beautiful morning nice and sunny big squall comes in at noon you got three hours and nasty and then four o'clock sun comes up and uh, those bears just tend to come out and start feeding. Um, those are my favorite days. Just inconsistent weather days, spring type conditions, the back and forth between the rain, the cloudiness, wind, and then everything lets up, sun breaks free. Uh, those are those are the days that I that you know you kind of dream about as a bear hunter. Um, now there's also days that are just like, uh, 70 degrees from noon all the way through. It feels like it's almost too hot, but we oftentimes in the early season, I would say, I'm just going to say April 15th through May 15th, uh, middle of the day, right in at noon to three to four to, to dark, those bears will just pop out in total random at total random times, uh, no rhyme or reason, but, um, you know, there's definitely some inconsistencies as far as when you're going to see those bears and, uh, you know, oftentimes where, um, 
not as much because you're hunting food sources. But the when is, uh, it's, I think it'll always be a mystery. Um, you know, we, I think even rainy days, it's probably worth glassing, but I don't see a whole lot of bears on those real down poor type days. We've seen them, but not as many. So just going on numbers, it's, it is actually the most, uh, those sunny days can be great. Um, and they can also be not great, and you're seeing that bear come out 30 minutes before dark. So there's uh, there's not real consistency with uh, with time frame as far as when you're going to see them. But you know we are just doing our best to glass, keep eyes on the mountain. Um, you know, especially if there's multiple guys getting multiple angles, especially at noon all the way through dark. And that's uh, been really effective for us. Um, but again, looking for that perfect type weather is big storm and then the storm rolls out and the days clear up. You got all this moisture. The grasses just start, you know, growing. The, the glacier lilies are popping. Yellow flowers start popping out. Those are far and away the best days on the mountain for me when it comes to bears. All right. Um, let's talk about. I got a little section here on consumption we can talk about. Um, bear meat is fantastic. Uh, don't let people like I had tell me when I was young that bear meat is nasty. Those people were dead wrong. Um, don't know where they got that, especially if they were hunting black bears in these mountain states that tend to feast on berries and moth larvae grasses, things like that. I think, I think if you're talking about coastal bears, bears that have access to a salmon stream, uh, bears that have access to a lot of skunk cabbage. Yep. You're, you might be 50, 50 on those bears. You're, there's a good chance that you're going to have a little foulness to the, to the flavor of your meat. But I can honestly say hunting the mountain areas, Bears that have access to huckleberries in the fall, um, you know, good grasses, flowers, even wild onions, things like that. They're just going around flipping rocks throughout the mountains. Inland bears. Never had a bad one. Always good. In fact, the, the cut of meat from the bear is, is not even a concern. Uh, it could be a shoulder. It could be a back strap. It could be tenderloin it could be a hiney all good just love every part of bear meat um and ways to do it you know we geez, we just made a bunch of burgers with it the other day and uh bear burgers are great they're they're really fatty without having to add anything to them some guys still do they'll add a little bit of pork to them or um even you know bacon stuff like that we tend to just eat them straight as is, run them through the grinder. And um, in fact, that's what we're going to be doing tonight, making more bear burgers. Uh, and obviously, you know, the trichinosis thing is always a, a topic, a discussion for bears and bear meat. Um, don't really worry about it too much. We just cook it thorough. Use a thermometer when you're cooking bears. Ramp that thing up to 160 degrees and you are safe to eat the bear. Um, you know, trick 
trichinosis does die. The parasites do die at 137. So 160 is a little bit overkill, but it doesn't have any type of bad effects when it comes to the flavor of the meat running it up to 160 or even the toughness. Bear is unique in that it, it carries that fat throughout the meat so that it doesn't get the dry, tough, leather type, um, you know, as you would if you were to cook a real lean game animal like a uh, like a mule deer or an elk. Um, you wouldn't want to run that up to 160. You're going to be chewing on it for the rest of the day. Whereas bear, uh, it kind of, even though it's up to that temp, it still has these fats within it. So it keeps it moist. Um, it's just good stuff. Uh, the family and I eat it all the time and we love it in multiple different ways. We will we will treat it just like a piece of uh, wild, any other wild game. We'll sear the edges, um, slow down that temp and slow cook it until that temp internal gets to 160 and eat it that way. And that is always very moist, very tender piece of bear meat. Um, canning it is a great way to go. You can't really go wrong with canning bear. Some guys can the entire bear and then that meat is already cooked. It's trick free. It's it's melts in your mouth. Um, it has rendered bear fat within that mason jar. If you left any fat on it, it's a good way to go. It's always got a lot of flavor. So canned bear meat is something that we do a lot of and highly recommended if you haven't um, done it. And that's, that's a pretty simple process. It's cubing up the bear meat. It's, um, you know, removing most of the fat. I don't take all the fat off when I can it. Um, it's, it's cubing it or stripping it. If you want to run it later into, um, you know, make fajitas or, you know, whatever burritos, tacos. Um, and then, yeah, you're processing it on a, in a canning. I use a, the, that all American canner running it for 90 minutes. Um, when you cook meat, when you can meat, it's a 90 minute process. So it isn't not, it's not a short little process. There's a lot of trimming up. There's a lot of preparation. There's, and there's, uh, letting that thing pressure, pressurize for 90 minutes on the cooker. So, um, but in the end, you know, having a bunch of Mason jars in your cupboard, it frees up the freezer and it is good to go. Come home, pop, pop the top of a can off there and just eat it as is or just heat it up and eat it with a stew or whatever you want to do with it. You don't have to cook it and, and go through that whole process. Um, I think uh, favorite cooking method is always that first cook on the mountain where if we're lucky enough to take a spring bear that has some fat on it, you know, we're rendering down that bear fat and we're, we're getting it to, uh, you know, an inch or two um, of depth to the bottom of the jet boil. And then we're just cutting little pieces and dropping them in there and, and you know, um, just fast cooking them, um, you know, deep frying them, I guess you could say in their own fat. It's really tough to beat that method as far as flavor and taste and freshness. Uh, it's probably the best bear meal of the year. Uh, and we look forward to doing that every year. I look forward to that this year 
is taking that fresh meat and deep frying it in its own fat. Now, rendering a fat is something you can do if you're lucky enough to get a spring bear that's got some. It's kind of 50-50. Some have some, some have none, some have a lot. Um, fall bears tend to have a lot, so we are grabbing a couple tags this year for the fall because we have finally run out of rendered bear fat in this household. A lot of the bear fat that we were working on was from back when I hunted fall bears in Washington State years ago. Uh, there's no shelf life on bear fat once you've rendered it and, um, and got it in a jar. So it lasts forever, but we've, we've hit the end of it. So we're going to uh, do some fall bear hunts this year that will allow us to kind of revamp our supply of um, rendered bear fat. So that's going to be the plan. Now you, you can find a spring bear, like I said, that'll have some and you can render that down and get some. Um, you know, if you get a, a quart jar full of it, you did great for a spring bear. Whereas if you, if you get a fall bear that literally has four, six inches of bear fat and you strip it completely, you can get a lot of quart jars, um, a lot of quart jars off one bear. So that's what we're going to do this year. Um, and I think that's a good plan. You know, a lot of these states you get one tag and maybe spring is your best opportunity to do that. Like Montana, um, you know, and, and, you know, September is all about elk hunting. So you don't dare go chase bears in September. Um, but there are some states that have an earlier fall season that doesn't really interfere with your September timeframe. So you can seek those out as well. Um, all right. Well, I think, uh, I think I'm going to end it there. It's kind of a, just a brief, um, I wanted to run through, answer a bunch of questions and, um, and hopefully get some guys excited for what's to come. A lot of guys talking about it this year. It seems like there's a whole new wave of spring bear guys. A lot of these guys are even new to hunting. A lot of these guys maybe aren't new to hunting, but they're new to spring bear or just bear in general. They've been deer hunting for years or elk and, and all that. So it's exciting. I think we got, we've got the numbers to support this new wave of fellas and gals getting out there chasing bears. Um, we, even though the density is much lower than the other things that we hunt, um, boy, the numbers are sky high in most of these states. And so, um, you know, there's more than ample bears out there for guys to go out. And we tend to see a lot of them in these spring sessions. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up with that. Good luck on all your spring bear hunts this year.